on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Go 24-7 podcast. Bryce Kuhn alongside Glenn West. We appreciate you if you're watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever that might be. Glenn, um, it's cold here in Baton Rouge. It's like actually pretty cold, and that signals that, hey, we're in the final month of the regular season, baby. It's November, and it's time for some big-time college football. You're braving. I think you're wearing a short-sleeve shirt. I had to put on a jacket. I'm, I'm, I'm a little cold still. Short sleeve shirt, and I just had to change real quick. I was out walking the dog, but um, yeah, earlier this week I made the mistake on Monday. LSU basketball had a scrimmage at six thirty at night, and I walked out in shorts. I was running a little late, and I was like, you know what? I'll tough it out. But after the game, holy smokes, I was I was freezing uh, after the game, and I think it's the wind. Really, the wind at night yeah. is what really gets you um, when it's when it's even when it's like fifty or something. It feels a lot colder when it's windy. So. Well, I'm no meteorologist, but I went and looked at the weather for Saturday night in Tuscaloosa, and it looks like it's going to be a nice, crisp fall, autumn evening. I mean, Gorgeous. straight up football, straight up football weather. So we'll take it. We'll take it. But hey, we got a big game on tap, man. I was uh, previewing this game. Obviously, if you haven't already, want to check out the Behind Enemy Lines look on that podcast, you can just head up a little bit further up in the feed, and you can find that we recorded and put that out that yesterday. It's a good one this week. It was a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. Glenn. When you look at this matchup, I mean, yeah, we're going to get into offense, defense on both sides of the football. But, man, every single year, and I know you've been around LSU a long time. I've been around the SEC for a long time. This game seemingly kind of kicks off the home stretch every single year and obviously has implications. And this season's no different, man. How excited are you to watch these two teams clash? Because it feels like for a while they've been on a collision course. Yeah, being very excited. I think, you know, every kind of every season you come in thinking that this is going to be kind of the marquee matchup for LSU in terms of where they might finish in the SEC West, what the this season might look like. And uh, that's that's no different this year. I mean, we just got off the SEC teleconference with Nick Saban and he basically said the same thing. This is a primetime matchup for a reason because it has uh, serious implications on the SEC West battle and just kind of which team. Uh, could be representing the Western Division here, the final year of the Western Division. We could throw that in too. So, mm. um, you know, who's going to be representing that division in the West for uh, in Atlanta for the last year? Um, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting matchup. I, I really like a lot of the the things that LSU's done recently, but I'm sure we'll get into it here in a minute. There's 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 some concerns too. So I, I you know, there's. I like the matchup. I like the the fact that you're playing for something at this time of year. I mean, I think when you lost to Ole Miss a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago, you were, uh, you know, if you were an LSU fan, you were you were definitely thinking this season might not be going the way we want it. But um, 
you know, here you are three, four weeks later, sitting at six and two in a very similar position to where you were last year. Um, LSU and Alabama were number six and number 10 at this time last year. Um, Alabama was number six, LSU was number 10, and this year it's eight and 13. So, I mean, it's mm-hmm. a little, little bit lower, but still um, a lot of your season goals are, are within reach. Uh, you might need a little bit of help to get to some of the big, big ones, but um, a lot of these goals I think are still attainable, and it starts obviously with this stretch run and this weekend in Tuscaloosa. And it all starts this weekend, the first weekend in November, which I'll remind you, uh, Glenn, we're almost a year to the date of my first ever trip to Baton Rouge. I was in Baton Rouge this time last year getting ready. Yeah. Uh, man, it's 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 flown by. It's flown by. And this Saturday, too, uh, if you want to watch good college football, you're going to have a game with a massive SEC East implications in Georgia against Missouri at 3.30 in that kickoff Eastern time. And then you've got LSU, Alabama. You can't really – I mean, don't even leave the couch in the afternoon and into the evening because it's going to be some really, really good football. But, Glenn – Obviously, I want to start here because this is something where we talk about the biggest questions. And so I'll pose it here. Bama's offense against LSU's defense. Glenn, I've offered the question on our board. To me, it's whose weakness is a little too much for them to overcome in this game. We know Alabama's been trending the right way. And, you know, uh, Cody Goodwin did a great job on the podcast kind of talking about some of the reasons that they have done and feel more comfortable LSU's defense, man, there's obviously a you know, there's a lot of concerns. We could break them all down, but I mean, the biggest one, the most glaring is the amount of young, inexperienced cornerbacks or converted corners that are going to have to play a role in this game against an Alabama receiving core that loves to go for the deep ball and loves to make explosive plays. Yeah, they like to get vertical on you. That's definitely something you I picked up on just watching some of their games and and, and film, um, especially the last couple of weeks. I mean, they uh, Jalen Milrow has really settled in as their quarterback. I think he's done a nice job of just being more composed and a little bit more sure of what he's doing as opposed to earlier in the year when he was kind of, is he going to be the quarterback? Is he not going to be the yeah. quarterback? I think now that they've kind of settled that di- dispute, um, the, the, the offense is looking a lot better for Alabama. But um, to your point, I mean, the, 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 the biggest weakness here, at least in terms of just what you don't know is is LSU secondary. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. the biggest question mark right now. Uh, don't have to bury that lead. I mean, they're going to be relying on not only Sage Ryan, who's really just coming into his own at the position. I mean, he's been a safety and nickel corner his entire career. Now they've gotten him out and on the boundary, and he he had some good moments. He's had some good moments against Auburn, and don't know how much you can take away from the Army game with him out there. But um, you know, I I, I think that. Certainly this 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 last week and something that you kind of dove into a little bit here this morning was uh, just getting the communication up with some of these guys. I mean, not only Sage Ryan, you know, being new to the position, but you're going to be relying on Jeremiah Hughes and Ashton Stamps and JV and Tobiano, um, all true freshmen with Terrence Welch as a sophomore, a second year player who hasn't seen the field all that much, especially since that old Miss game. So mm-hmm. like, there's. There's there's a lot here. I mean, I, I I do think that, you know, probably one of the biggest strengths that LSU has in this game is that Alabama's offensive line has not been all that consistent this year. I think that's going to be where LSU is going to have to win this game. They're going to have to make Jalen Milrow uncomfortable. They're going to have to force him force him to make some uh, difficult throws um, and, and they're going to have to be listening their pressure and, and be gap sound in the run game. So, uh, they've got to do everything they can to help out this secondary as much as possible, uh, particularly at the cornerback spot, because like you mentioned, they do like to go deep with some of these guys at receiver. Um, 
And and it, it's going to be very, very interesting to see just kind of the cat and mouse game that LSU plays up front. Um, you know, we can get into a little bit more about personnel and what it all looks like here in a minute, but just kind of over, over, you know, just overview thoughts. I think this game's going to have to be one up front from LSU um, along the defensive line and hope that uh, those guys are, are, um, are up to the task to get some pressure on Milrow and, and, and clog some of those running lanes. Yeah. I mentioned this on the uh, behind enemy lines podcast. It feels like when you watch Alabama, when Jermaine Burton, their wide out gets going, it's really, really hard to stop him and what he and Milrow like to do. So that's going to be something key. You mentioned, up front, Glenn, some of the you know tough news for LSU fans was that Makai Wingo is going to miss an extended amount of time, uh, at least six weeks, which would put him out through the rest of the regular season. But in, in Makai Wingo fashion, he took to Twitter and said, hey, I'll be back for the playoff. And that just speaks volumes about the character of this kid and the determination that he has. And Makai Wingo, I think a fan favorite, a media favorite as well, to be able to have conversations with that young man. But Glenn, one of kind of the stories that we've talked a little bit about over the course of this season, but maybe not uh, a ton, is this this depth up front that they have. I mean, it's so much better than what it was last year. And I think that when you see what these – you can't replace 18. Uh, Greg Penn said that. That's not going to be something that you can just straight up replace 18 on the field. But, man, they've got some dudes. George Jefferson's a big one. Paris Shand had a really good performance over the – you know, heading into that bye week. So – how comfortable do you feel with this front seven being able to do what they want to do without 18 there in the middle? And then I obviously got to say, it feels like big number zero is due for a big performance against his first time ever playing Alabama. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think that they have enough talent to be able to, to overcome a loss like Mikai Wingo. You, you mentioned it there in the offset. You, you don't fully you know, replace somebody like that who's meant so much to you, not only on the field, but as a leader in the locker room as well. And I'm sure he'll be around still. I mean, I'm sure he'll be able to get his message across, but certainly not having him out on the field to be kind of that organizer up front and, and being mm-hmm. the disruptor that he's been uh, for most of the year is going to be uh, a bitter pill to swallow. But like you mentioned, Jordan Jefferson is, uh, I think, come along pretty well. It, it, it Big, big talking point from Brian Kelly and from players this week has been about the the growth that he's had, uh, one of the strongest players on the team, and that carries over into uh, the the production we're seeing on the field right now. Um, I, I like a lot of what uh, Paris Shan has been doing. Braden Swinson, I think, coming off the edge has, has really shown you uh, that he can be a, a pretty reliable source in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, and then, yeah, like you mentioned, Mason Smith's going to have to – gonna have to show up i mean he's he's the guy now i mean they uh, and we yeah we asked him a little bit about mason smith um you know greg penn and and uh omar spates were our two defensive players we got to talk to yesterday and they basically just said look i mean he's been working himself back into game shape it's taken a little bit longer than i think he probably would have liked but you saw some flashes against Auburn. You saw some flashes against Army. He's up to, I believe, three tackles for a loss now. He's got a sack that he picked up um, either last week or the week before. He's broken up a couple passes at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's been a little bit more active uh, the last couple weeks than he was when he first got back from injury. Uh, and so now you're hoping that, you know, having the bye week and having some even some more time to really focus in on getting your body right and making sure that you're – uh, as healthy as possible for this game. Um, I, I would expect Mason Smith to come out and make an impact. I mean, I, I, I don't know that he's going to be a two sack three force fumble kind of game. I mean, I, I think that would be probably a little bit, uh, you know, too, uh, too out there, but I, I do think that he can get some pressure on the middle. I think he can help 
um, shut down some of those run lanes. I mean, the the one thing Alabama hasn't done a whole ton of this year uh, is run the ball consistently. I mean, this, this has always been a team that's produced some great running backs. And, um, you know, Jace McClellan has been a, a really solid source. He's, I think, sixth right now in rushing yards. But as a team, they're really only averaging uh, about 3.75 yards a carry right now. So, um the, the one thing you can't do is let them get the run game going early because that's what they're going to look to do. They're going to try to get the run game going, make you bring some guys up front and into the box and and, and kind of force you to go one-on-one and man coverage in the, in the secondary, and that's when they like to take their shots. So, um, you know, doing a, doing a good job and being gap sound, finishing off plays and tackling uh, is going to be a real, real big key for the, for the defensive front seven here. Um, and I, I think that there are a lot of guys that, that, that can certainly make an impact. I mean, Ovia Gofu is another guy. Um, his speed's going to be really counted on, I think, in, in this game off the edge. Uh, we'll be very interested to see, obviously, how Harold Perkins works into the game plan here. Mm-hmm. Does LSU like to bring him in on third down? Do they like to drop him in coverage to give the secondary some help? I mean, there, there's um, a lot of different ways I think that he can be useful in this game as well. So, um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have to have a full team effort uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, I'll be very interested to see just kind of uh, the, the impact that the front seven can have on this game. And if they're able to rattle Milrow a little bit and, 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 and shut down some of those running lanes. So we kind of wrap it up here with this battle between Alabama's offense and LSU's defense. Wanted to point this out to uh, Cody Goodwin over at Bama 24-7. He let me know before and after the show. He said, look, the one thing that Alabama has struggled with is when Milrow is a guy that, look, he will fall into some sacks. He will work his way into some sacks. The pocket awareness is still something he's growing as a young quarterback. And one thing teams have had success, Ole Miss did at times, Arkansas did a really good job of this, was they spied him and didn't let him, you know, get outside the pocket with the needs. And you can talk a little bit about this or we can move on. I think with the needs that you have on the back end, we've seen Harold Perkins kind of be a Swiss army knife playing a little bit of nickel at times for this team. If you get in a third and long situation and you need Perkins back there in coverage where he is the highest graded linebacker in the sec per PFF, I think it could be a situation where if you need a guy with speed, a guy that can really tackle well in open space, that could be maybe some situations where you see a guy like Whit Weeks come onto the field in place of a Greg Penn or in place of an Omar Spates to really mirror what Milrow wants to do. Now, obviously, those two guys have veteran pieces, but Kelly likes what Weeks is. I don't think we've seen the last of Whit Weeks in big-time moments. Uh, any thoughts on that of, of a yeah. personnel thing? Yeah, I mentioned this, I think, in a piece earlier this week that is this going to be kind of more of a Greg uh, or more of an Omar Spates, Whit Weeks kind of game um, for, for that exact reason. I mean, Whit Weeks gives you another athlete that you can throw out on the field um, on, on third downs. I mean, I think he should absolutely be a part of the rotation. Um, and, and certainly we we know what Brian Kelly has said about what Omar Spades can help them do in the run game. So I don't see his role uh, diminishing a whole ton. Um but that means you got to take Greg Penn off the field, and, and they've mm-hmm. they've done a really nice job when Greg Penn's been out there. Uh, I just feel like this is this is going to be a this is always a matchup where it's your athletes against our athletes, and let's see who wins. And I, I think yeah. that Whit Weeks is certainly one of the better athletes on the field uh, or on the LSU defense. And you know, look, I I, I kind of go back and forth on this because uh, Brian Kelly was asked on Wednesday about just kind of what the potential would be for, for Harold Perkins to be a spy in this game and what, 
would they have to change anything defensively? And he said, no, they've, they've settled into a defensive scheme that they trust. And um, when you're, when you're, when they're thinking about bringing Harold off the edge, it's usually been on third downs. It's usually been uh, when he can pin his ears back and really try to disrupt, uh, you know, and finish off a drive and get LSU's defense off the field. So I do think that they're going to be able to still bring Harold Perkins in on third down, um, which is why I think maybe that they'll, They'll keep Penn out there for for some of those for some of the for some of that work and have him drop in coverage mm-hmm. with with Spates. But yeah, I, I like I like the fact that they're not going to be changing things up this weekend, despite being low on bodies in the secondary. They're they've got to stick to what they've been doing, and and, and they've shown some strides, um, you know, the last couple of weeks. But this is obviously going to be a different level up, and and it's, it'll be very interesting to watch just kind of how uh, all those guys kind of make an impact in this game. Well, on a side of the ball where it might feel like there's a perceived weakness with these two units going at it, Glenn, it takes us over to Alabama's defense and LSU's offense. Feeling like this is two just uh, two Goliaths about to go at it. I mean, look for all the struggles that Alabama has had this season. It's still a really, really good defense. They still have some NFL talent back there. And as I was looking more into this, man, that secondary, it's going to be fun. Like this is going to be a matchup where you see. NFL-type talent on both sides of the football at the receiver position for LSU at the secondary position. I mean, you have guys like Kool-Aid McKinstry, Terry and Arnold, uh, Caleb Downs, a true freshman uh, that is really just seamlessly, you know, acclimated into this Alabama defense. Going against Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas, Kyron Lacey, Mason Taylor, all of these names. Glenn, I know you were there in 2019 where there was a lot of NFL talent on the field, and, and you showed me those numbers earlier this season, man. But this has an opportunity to be one of those matchups where you look back a couple years down the road and you say, wow, look at all the NFL talent that was on the field uh, that night in Tuscaloosa. Overall, how are you feeling about this matchup? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be uh, a really fun one to watch. I mean, look, you mentioned the secondary there. Malachi Moore is another name you could yeah. throw in there. He's made a lot of plays around the line of scrimmage this year um, already. So um, they, they have a very, very elite secondary this year. And I've been extremely impressed with Downs uh, coming in as a true freshman and having the impact that he's had on this defense. Uh, you mentioned McKinstry. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this is going to come down to um, – just MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Can LSU's offense continue to have the the efficiency and the level of success that it's shown the last seven weeks? I mean, this is going to be the most stiff competition they've faced since Florida State. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that 
honestly, it's 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 probably a more collectively, it's a, it's probably a better unit than Florida State's even. I mean, I don't think Alabama has that standout elite elite pass rusher this year. I think that's probably the one area where LSU might be able to have an advantage, um, or it is one area of one area of a few that I think LSU could have an advantage in uh, in terms of the run game and being able to open some things up. Uh, that way, uh, I think the fact that you only gave Logan Diggs, what, six carries against Army and you were able to give yeah. him really two full weeks of just kind of getting rested and kind of uh, getting his body right for this matchup because he was obviously a guy that was having a high, high usage rate there for about three or four weeks in a row. Um, so I think, you know, having him as, as full go as possible is going to be um, a really big, big asset for, for LSU um, in this game. Um, you mentioned 2019. Biggest X factor in that game was the running back was Clyde Edwards Hilaire and how they mm-hmm. were able to use him in, in, in 19. And uh, I could certainly see a situation where Diggs is, is, is in that similar kind of role where he can make an impact uh, in this game. So um, I, I, I think that, you know, in terms of just what you've seen from Jaden Daniels, like this, this dude is operating at another level right now. He's doing things that I don't think many of us, even with the highest of expectations coming into the year thought that he was, capable of doing i mean he's he's hitting these receivers in stride they're being able to move them a lot in these pre-snap motions and keep defenses on their toes uh that was something that mason taylor talked a bunch about yesterday um and and you know i i do think that the way that they've been able to move around a guy like malik neighbors has really opened up uh his game and and you know they're not just using him outside they're going to be able to move him into the slot they're going to be able to get him in different one-on-one matchups not just with McKinstry or or some of the other uh you know elite players they have Arnold um you know they're they're going to be able to mix him around a little bit and I I think really open up the offense I'll be very interested to see how much Jaden uses his legs in this game I mean he used them a lot last year he had 95 yards on the ground last year um and you, you can make the argument that he's only gotten more lethal with that weapon because of the fact that he's throwing the ball so well that defenses have to respect that he could go deep on him at any time. How he scrambles, how he's able to pick up you know big chunk yards, maybe when things are broken downfield, uh, that's going to be a huge, huge asset for LSU because, I mean, Alabama's secondary is legit. They're, they're going to win some, some matchups. They're going to cover things up pretty well, but – the fact that Daniels has that second gear, that second level with his with his speed and with his athleticism, uh, I think is where LSU is really going to be able to win uh, in this game and, and be able to keep themselves on the field and move the ball uh, pretty efficiently. Yeah, you mentioned obviously what they have up front. I mean, it's still a stout Alabama defensive front. The, I agree, the best one that they're going to see since Florida State. Uh, you got Chris Braswell at that Jack linebacker position for the Crimson Tide that is – you know, kind of a, uh, I would say, 1B to what they have in Dallas Turner. Uh, I think it's going to be, you know, the big some of the biggest news that I think kind of went unheralded on Monday was the fact that Emory Jones is healthy. And, you know, that's huge for this game. And not that there's not confidence in Zalance Hurd. I just think when you have a guy, that, you know, in Zalance Hurd that has, doesn't have, maybe not fine-tuned everything, and now he's got to go on the road. Look, LSU did it last year with two freshman tackles, but you don't want to play with that situation too much, you know, and and, and get bit by it. But, man, you know, the battle in the trenches is going to be something that I'm really excited to watch because this is a chance where we have seen, 
you know, guys like Charles Turner have told us, Hey, we relish opportunities like this, like where we think, where they think they've got a really good front seven. We think we're really good up front. And, you know, we just get to get in this opportunity where we get to kind of, uh, you know, just, uh, just lock heads and let's go. And, and I think that's going to be something exciting to watch uh, as well, offensively and defensively uh, in this matchup, this is strength on strength. Statistically, you have, you know, probably, and I think it is statistically in points scored, the best offense in the country in LSU. And Alabama, while it might not be the best defense, it's up there, top 10, top five of what they really want to be able to do. So this is strength on strength, uh, Glenn. That being said, we get to our final thoughts here, and I'll ask you this, and you can take it wherever you want. What You mentioned Logan Diggs, and I love that key to an LSU victory. What, what maybe are some other things that – matchups that have to be won maybe and we're going to hit on this later in the week maybe numbers that need to be hit what's something for that you're going to be watching to say hey if this happens LSU's got a real good shot there uh, on Saturday night yeah there are two big keys for me uh, on the defensive side of the ball for LSU that they have to really strive for and you know one of them is not going to be known until we get to the actual game but can they can they figure out a way to get off the field four five times um mm. can they can they can they force a punt can they force a long field goal uh can they create a turnover maybe um alabama's going to win some i mean they're they're going to be able to hit a couple shots i think that they're definitely going to have some success against the lsu secondary i mean it's a very young secondary it's very inexperienced um they're going to have some wins the where lsu is going to have to win this game defensively is not only up front but they're going to have to limit the amount of possessions Alabama gets, which is going to come back to how efficiently you run your offense and how able you're able to uh, kind of consistently score on that end. But then also it's going to be about can you limit uh, Alabama when they make those big explosive plays? Can you make the tackles yeah. and hold them to field goal attempts? I think that's going to be a huge, huge key here is when Alabama makes a run, when they get downfield, when the field shortens, can LSU – get enough stops um, to, to force field goals and not touchdowns. And I think if you get into a situation here where LSU forces, you know, two or three, four field goals, uh, that's a win for LSU in my book. I mean, if they Alabama will score three or four touchdowns, I'm sure of it. But if you can make sure that those other scoring possessions end in three points and not seven, that gives your offense a lot more uh, confidence and momentum uh, that they can kind of get the job done on the other end and, and put up that 35, 40 spot, whatever it is you think that, um, that, they, that they can get to in this game. So uh, that's what I'm going to be looking for is is how 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 many times do they need to get off the field to give their offense mm -hmm. a chance? And then when they do make those big plays, not only just finishing them off and making the tackles, but once that field shortens, holding them to field goals and not touchdowns, that's going to be something that um, if LSU is able to do a couple times, three times, four times maybe, um, I, I think LSU is going to like their, their their chances here. And I think that, um, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth on this all all week long, probably change my, my tune again. Um I, I, I don't know that it's going to be enough uh, to for, for 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 in terms of defensive stops for uh, for LSU's offense to be able to keep up with with what Alabama's going to do. I think right mm -hmm. now I'm probably leaning more towards this being a you know 42 to 38 kind of shootout between the the the, the two offenses, and um, really I think 
whoever gets the ball in the fourth quarter with with some time left on the clock, uh, if they're able to kind of whittle it down and, and, and get a final score there before the end of the game, I think that's probably where I see this game heading. I think it's going to be a close, tight-knit matchup. I think you're going to see a lot of these stars play to their potential and, and, and capabilities, and you're going to see some really, really good things from LSU. But I just don't know that it's going to be enough when you when you factor in just how depleted and inexperienced they are in the secondary, and if they're able, if they're going to be able to make some of those plays uh, that that warrant uh, you know field goal attempts and not touchdowns. I mean that's that's going to be a big 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 thing for me that I'm watching. Yeah, I'll even one up you here as I kind of give that. I think ever since that Missouri game when Major Burns had the pick six. That was something that LSU really didn't do a lot of defensively, taking the ball away. I think in a game like this, when you have a defense that is suspect, I mean, look, we can sit there and we can say, you know, hey, we got confidence, we got all this type of stuff, he's got talent. The fact of the matter is, is that this is a young and experienced group, and it's really hard to see them have a lot of success on the road in Tuscaloosa. That's just something that I think is a really hard thing. You'd love to say it's going to happen. I don't know if it is. That being said, when you have a defense like this, a lot of times they're predicated on being very uh, prone to having success when they when they win the, the turnover margin. I think if LSU can do that, if they can force Milrow into some bad decisions, that front seven can force a turnover or two. I mean, you know, you talk a lot of time about coverage sacks. Like, how many coverage sacks could this group get? I mean, that type of thing. How much can they work all 11 together and be able to force some turnovers? Because it kind of goes into what you were saying there. Can we force them into three points or, hey, what if we get a turnover and it's not a scoring drive? You know, I think that's going to be something that we really have to see out of this group. Uh, it's going to be a key. I do feel comfortable saying that LSU's offense is going to be able to get what they need to get. I think Alabama's defense is really, really good. I just think this LSU offense is also really, really good. Let and, me ask you this. Go ahead. Yeah. You give Brian Kelly, you tell Brian Kelly before the game, defense is going to give up 35 points. Is that enough? Is that enough for LSU's offense to do what it needs to do to win the game? Glenn, I, I kind of think so. I, I kind of think so. I think if you can sit around that 35-point margin, because if I'm not mistaken, the only game LSU has um, lost outside – they lost Ole Miss, obviously, scoring how many points they did. But that was 49. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. The, the Florida State game, though, they did not surpass 35 points. So I yeah. think, like, when you look, it's that's kind of been the outlier – uh, that old Miss game. But other than that, I mean, I think if the defense gives up 35, you have to feel good about your chances winning this football game because I think you so know, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I like that. I like that. That's a good. That's a good key right there. 35 points. If you can, if your defense can give up 35 points, which sounds crazy when you talk about LSU defenses and fans are listening to this and thinking <laughs> of defenses of LSU's past and the history yeah. of the Alabama LSU rivalry. Uh, man, that's uh, that's crazy. But no, it's gonna yeah. be a fun one. I think I think Brian Kelly would take that in a heartbeat. The way that this offense is rolling right now. Um, yeah, I, I, and I think to your point, like, you know, Milrow's gonna run himself into a couple of bad situations, and it's just gonna yeah. be about can LSU make those plays? Uh, whether it's a big sack to force a field goal, whether it's a a sack or a fumble or something to kind of turn. Uh, momentum of the field and uh, you know I just I think that there's going to be some opportunities throughout the game um, for LSU's defense to get off the field will they make the plays is going to be the big question to me Um, and I just don't have a good feel for that right now when when you consider where the secondary is at where you know a lot of these 
these players are going to be tasked with doing uh, these things. But, you know, one of the questions I had yesterday was uh, also like, how much do you think that it's fueling some of these young guys who haven't seen a whole lot of opportunity yeah. to, you know, go out there and prove everybody wrong. And I think all the defensive players we talked to yesterday said that they're, they're chomping at the bit. They're confident. They're ready. And um, they've been preparing since obviously the bye week when they learned that they probably wouldn't have Alexander or Chestnut or, uh, or, um, or Denver Harris. So like they're doing, they're doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. They're getting the reps. They're, um, they're, they're preparing well, they're communicating. It sounds like, um, and we'll just see if that all translates onto the field on Saturday. 645 central, I believe is when they're going to schedule kickoff. Uh, we'll see if that, if that stands, obviously, depending on what happens, you got to love TV times, Glenn. It's going to be a fun one. Tuscaloosa is going to be a great one. And we hope all of you will join in on the covers that we have going on the rest of the week over at Go 24-7. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube page. Check out the podcast feed on Spotify, Apple. Maybe you're listening to this on the drive-in from Baton Rouge over to Tuscaloosa. We appreciate you listening as well. My name is Bryce Kuhn. That is Glenn West. We'll have coverage from Tuscaloosa this weekend, and then we'll wrap it all up again, uh, Glenn. Hopefully – Hopefully it's not as somber as uh, the post game against Florida State at the beginning of the season, man. Hopefully, hopefully we can uh, we can have a fun one to talk about on Saturday evening. Yeah, I don't know. That was also just a really foggy night. Did you do you remember that? How foggy maybe it was in the background. It was weird. It was I went and looked at the video the other day, and I was like, that game. It felt like Halloweenish in September. Yeah. it was really yeah. weird. Really weird. So, hey, that's a lot of fun. Bryce Coon, Glenn West. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Go Twenty Four Seven Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Make sure to enjoy your trip to Tuscaloosa, and we'll see if LSU can take down Alabama for a second straight year. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever, and this time it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars, new season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.